Well, we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. So Matthew and uh, Luke provide us gospel narratives concerning the birth of Jesus. So we're in Luke's gospel. We're reading his account of the birth of our Lord. And we'll read from verse 1 all the way down through verse 20. Now in those days, a decree went out from... Caesar Augustus, that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there... The days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. By night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among men, with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, 
and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we, we thank you that you directed Luke to write these details this historical account of the birth of our Lord. I pray today that you would speak to us uh, through this birth narrative of Jesus. Lord, that you would encourage the hearts of the faithful today. Lord, that we would leave with a, a better perspective of you, of what you're doing in the earth. Lord, that we would walk before you with greater devotion, that we would worship you more intently, and all to uh, your glory and honor. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So three points this morning. We're going to look at the times in which Jesus was born. Then uh, we will look at the, the tidings that were brought by the angel and the angels. And then finally the testimony of the shepherds. That's what we'll do this morning. So first of all, let's look at the times. Uh, look at verse 1. Well, we've got a setting. Uh, Luke is describing the world uh, for us, the, wor- the known world back then. Uh, he's setting the context for the birth of Christ. In fact, he, he starts with the whole wide world and comes to a focus on a baby in a manger. So there it is, there now in those days, that has an eschatological note to it in those days. In those days, it's kind of, it's like something's going on in those days, during those times. Well, what happened? I mean, we read a, a Pastor Boyle read from Malachi a while ago, from Malachi to the the birth of Jesus is some 400 years. So there's a, there's a space of time in which there's not much said or done with regard to anything God had said that he would do. And now something is developing. It says, in those days, a decree went out from, 
There we go. Caesar Augustus. So Caesar Augustus is the first Roman emperor. So Rome had gone from a republic to an empire, and Caesar Augustus is the ruler. And you and I should be aware of the fact that the people held him in high regard. He was, uh, in fact, there was an inscription found that said that Caesar Augustus was a son of God, that he was an imperator over land and sea, that he was a benefactor and savior of all mankind. Those are some lofty words for a human, but these people ascribe to him divine attributes. Augustus, about as high as you could get. And so Caesar Augustus is revered uh, by the people, by his subjects. Really, he's revered in his own eyes. And he sent this decree. So a decree, a statement, a command. This decree went out from Caesar Augustus. It was his decision. And his decision was that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. You see how Luke starts out with this broad sweep of things as they were. And he will bring everything to a focal point as we read through. But there's a census that is to be taken of all the inhabited earth. So... This is a census, this is a, an accounting that will be given on the part of the people for a couple reasons. One was for taxation, they're going to count the people, they're going to count heads uh, for the purpose of taxation, and the other was for military conscription that they would serve. Now, the Jews were uh, exempt from that military conscription, but this was broader than just the Jews at the time. So there's a census. And Luke doubles down on this. He doesn't just mention it there in verse 1. He comes back to it right here. Verse 2, this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, this is a system that uh, Augustus is employing. He is going to implement a system that this census will be repeated over and over. This is the first one. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register. Now, that's what a census is. The people are going to register. They're going to give uh, personal information to government officials. And Luke tells us in verse 3, and everyone was on his way to register for the census. There it is again. So I think three times he mentioned census. Luke mentioned census here. And then twice he mentions register. Uh, each to his own city. So to register for the census 
one would go back to his city of origin and would register there. This would be quite an inconvenience. But one man, one Caesar Augustus, gives one command. Uh, These folks have no say. They're, They're just part of the empire. They have no say in the matter. This one waves his hand, makes his decree, speaks the word, and everyone moves. And so they're on their way to register, each to his own city. Joseph, by the way, this is the first time Luke mentions anything that Joseph does. We're introduced to him prior to this in Luke's gospel, but this is the first time he does anything right here. Joseph also went up from Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order, verse 5, here we go, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. So the reason Joseph and Mary go back to Bethlehem, the reason that Jesus is not born in Nazareth is because of Augustus, Caesar Augustus, and his desire for there be a system of census taking, I think every 14 years, and people would move and they would register and He makes this decree and everyone falls in line. So there's a lot of movement here. And Mary and Joseph are going back to Bethlehem because that's their city of origin. Both of them have royal blood. Both of them are related to King David. You can see Matthew's genealogy for that. You can see Luke's genealogy for that. Matthew for Joseph and his... Uh, relationship to King David, Luke's genealogy to check out Mary's relationship to King David, both of them. And they're going to go and register. And the Bible tells us right here that Mary, who was engaged to Joseph, was with child. So that's a double whammy, right? This gal is, she is pregnant She is expecting, and right in the middle of all this, she has to go register. She has to travel um, and register uh, for this uh, Roman census. Men make their decrees all the time. Uh, let's put it this way. Leaders, uh, folks in high position are always making their decrees. They're always stating their perspective, their law. Uh, and it's no different today than it was then. What we need to notice here, what we should notice, 
is that this Caesar Augustus makes this decree and in him making this decree and Joseph and Mary traveling from Nazareth and going to Bethlehem, they are actually fulfilling the prophecy given in Micah 5 and verse 2 that Jesus Christ would be born not in Nazareth, but in Bethlehem. And so a prophecy written 550 years before the birth of our Lord is fulfilled as God leverages the purposes of human beings to his own glorious ends. We give God praise for that. Men make their decrees, but God has made his decrees. And while Augustus, he is this larger-than-life figure on the world stage, he's the man in charge, he's revered, he's held in this high esteem. There's, There's at least, we know, one above him. And that would be Jesus who is a baby born in a manger, born and placed in a manger during the reign of Caesar Augustus. I'm reminded of the prophecy in Daniel when Daniel says there's a stone cut without hands that's going to fall from heaven. And that stone is going to shatter earthly kings and kingdoms. And that stone will be a living stone and that stone will, will grow and be magnified and that kingdom that is established on that cornerstone will last forever and ever. God made that decree through Daniel the prophet and God's decrees supersede man's decrees. Every now and then you get the feeling that the, the folks that are in charge in this world, the human beings, the people of high position or great reputation, that what they say goes and their agenda is going to be implemented. But there's one who has a higher agenda. There's one who has a a greater purpose. And that one is Jesus, our Lord. And his decrees will always break the decrees of men and will always bring man's decrees to an end. And I'm talking about those things that are anti-Christ, those things that are not consistent with the word of God. Man wants to do his own thing. Man has his own perspective, whether it's a philosophy, uh, whether it's a, a vision for the future, what have you. But God, what God has decreed has been established from of old. And what God has decreed will stand. But the decrees of man as they are counter to what God has spoken, will fall. They will be broken and they will, they will be fruitless. That's the first thing. 
we see God at work here. On, and Luke brings Jesus right here onto the world stage. Right there it is in verse 5. We read it. Who was engaged? Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child while they were there. The days were completed for her to give birth. So while they were in, in Bethlehem, she gave birth to this child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths. Wrap him up in these cloths. Um, and, and she laid him in a manger. And the Bible says because there was no room for them in the inn. So there they are, uh, quite a distance from home. And she not only is pregnant, but it comes time for her to give birth. Can you imagine? Yeah, we've got to make this, we've got to make this trip together and just, uh, we're going to register for the census that had to be their thinking. Uh, maybe they could get back in time before the child is born. But no, no. The child was going to be born in Bethlehem because God decreed that he would be born in Bethlehem. And the Bible says that uh, there was no room for them in the end. That's interesting. Um, Wording there in the New American Standard Bible, no room for them in the inn. Uh, so where were they when this child was born? That's always a question. What was that? How'd that look? Was it a hotel? Well, back then, as, as you read about it, there was what was called a caravansary. A caravansary. So if you were in a caravan, you might stop at a caravansary. And a caravansary would have a hostess, and a caravansary would have all the amenities, food, water, place for you to rest, lay your head. Usually the animals would stay on the bottom, and they'd walk upstairs, and there was an upper level, and the people would stay there. There would be little rooms. But that's not what this is. This is less than a caravansary. This is a Cataluma. A Cataluma? Yeah, that nativity you've been putting out this time of year. It's a, the setting is a Cataluma. What was that? Well, they didn't have all the amenities. A Cataluma, you could count on water. And so they get there and they're, uh, they find out there's no room. Uh, there's no room in the Cataluma. This is a step down from a caravansary that doesn't, doesn't sound four-star, let alone five-star. And there's no room there. So why the crowds? Well, there's a census going on. And, and lest we forget, it's not just the people that are going to register that are filling up the caravansaries and the Catalumas, but it's the people doing the census taking. It's the Roman soldiers that would have been present. It's the Roman officials that would have been traveling to get to certain places so they could, 
They could register. They could get the process going. And so there they are. And, and we find out there was no room for them in the Cataluma or the Cataluma. There's just, it's full. And we always, I remember as a kid, I always thought, well, the innkeeper sounds mean. You know, the, it's like the innkeeper answers the door. There's Joseph and Mary, and she's obviously pregnant. And he says, what are you doing here? We have no room. Get out of here. Go your own way. We, I always had that impression. I, don't, I think we put too much on the innkeeper. There's just no room in the inn. The sign would have said, no vacancy. So they find a place, perhaps a cave, which that would have been uh, not hard to imagine back then. And this place that they found uh, was connected. It was nearby the Cataluma. And there they're going to settle and rest and Mary is going to give birth. And that's what happened. So you have, you have this, new, this new king, this, what's the Christmas carol we say? Uh, glory to the newborn king. And he holds sway over every earthly king. And the Bible says one day he will rule in a consummated way. He rules now. One day that rule will be physical and that rule will be consummated. He will rule. Uh, the Bible says that one day the wicked will be judged. The Bible says that one day the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The decrees of God will always break the decrees of man. So she gave birth to her firstborn son, verse 7. It's interesting, the, the word there, firstborn, that doesn't mean chronological birth, although it was. It has more to do with rank than chronology. It's, it's used, I think, three or four times in the New Testament. Uh, Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Jesus, the one who's risen from the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead. I think that's over in Colossians 1 verse 18. Uh, he also says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. That's good news. This baby is preexistent. Jesus. Read John. In the beginning was a word. Word, who's the word? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is Jesus. And Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. And then over in Romans 8, Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. And it's interesting there. The context is that we are, as believers in Jesus, we're predestined to be conformed to his image. So that he will be the firstborn among many brethren. I like it. I like to put that with the, the words from 1 Corinthians. That he will bring many sons to glory. 
That's what he came to do. So Jesus is born. We give God praise. We love to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the birth of the Son of God, who came into the earth. The story goes on. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Those lowly shepherds. You got to understand how low these shepherds were. Their, their social status was way down there. These guys are watching their flocks. They are, they probably own a little land. They probably have a few animals, but nothing that would sustain a family. So they probably hired themselves out to watch the flocks of others. And there they are. They're trying to make a living. They're watching flocks. They're out in the fields. They're keeping watch over their flock by night. And this is the same region, same general area. It's going to get better. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. So we think this is the same angel that has appeared previous, previously here in Luke's gospel. We've got, and who would that angel be? Well, if you look in verse 26 of chapter 1, you've got the angel Gabriel. I think we've got him in verse 19 as well. Yeah, there it is. When the angel answered and said to Zacharias, I am Gabriel. There's three references there in chapter 1 to Gabriel. And we're just thinking this angel is Gabriel. We don't know for sure, but we're connecting the dots. We've had Gabriel in chapter 1. I mean, we have no reason to think that this is not Gabriel, but, you know, it doesn't say for sure. We just have that an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly afraid. And then the angel is going to speak. And the suspense is building. What's, what's the angel going to say? Well, probably related to what's happened previous in the text. He says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, this is the, the thrust of Luke's gospel. Luke is for all the people. It's a, it's a worldwide gospel. It is for all the people. It's for everybody. And the fact that this angel is standing before shepherds, lowly shepherds, poor shepherds, uh, tells us everything we need to know about the gospel being for all. And these, uh, these shepherds were, were frightened. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you some good news. I've got good news for you. And this good news was for, of great joy, not just average everyday joy, but great joy, uh, exceeding joy. And there it is, which will be for all the people, not some people, uh, not for uh, just uh, those who live in palaces, 
not for just a certain uh, segment of the population, but for all the people. This is a, a broad scope of a gospel. It is for all the people. And, he, and here's the words. Here are, is the thunder from the angel for today in the city of David. In Bethlehem, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, interestingly enough, in the original, there are no articles here. So it would read like this. uh, For today in the city of David, there has been born for you, Savior Christ Lord. Savior Christ Lord. Think about that. I mean, did we need, did, did the world need another, did we need another scientist? Do we need another sports superstar? Do we need another philosopher? Do we need a chef? No. What we need is a savior. Because apart from a savior, we're doomed. We're going to drown in our sin. We're going to be judged for our sin. But Christ is the savior. God, the father, sent Jesus the Savior, to save us, to save us from sin, to save us from self, to save us from Satan. And Jesus, his first designation here by the angel is that he is Savior. Now think about that word. Think about a Savior. A Savior would have to want to save, and then the Savior would have to have the ability to save. So in Jesus, we see a wonderful uh, combination of desire to save and the ability to save. That is Christ. That is Jesus. He's the one who can save. He's the one who redeems. He's the one who gives us abundant life. We give God praise. This is the son of the living God. And not only is he Savior, but he's Christ. What's that mean? It means he's Messiah. That means he's the one that will occupy the throne of David forever and ever. And of his government, there will be no end. He rules and he reigns and he will never relinquish his rule. He is the Christ, and then he's Lord. He's Lord. He's, we said it a while ago, he's preexistent. He's, he's over all of his creation. This little baby born in Bethlehem, Savior, Christ, and Lord. And the angel is bringing this announcement, this wonderful birth announcement to these lowly shepherds. And then he goes on, he says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. My, my, my. God is so good. God is fulfilling this plan. He's fulfilling these prophecies of a coming king. And then verse 13, just get ready. And suddenly there appeared With the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. 
Now, before we get on into verse 14, what they were saying, right there, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, listen, we read in the Old Testament of the temple being filled with God's glory. The Shekinah glory of God would fill the temple. This was the meeting place where the people would meet with God. This was on earth. This was a special place. The Holy of Holies in the temple. That's where God would meet with man. But here, God's not in the temple. God is in the open air. This good news is out. This good news is for all the people, not just for the Jews. This good news is beyond the temple. It is beyond the law. It is... It is in God's heart for the people, all the people, anytime and everywhere. And we have God meeting with these shepherds on a farm. They're watching their flocks. I, I love God for this. He, 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 listen, he didn't dispatch those angels to a university. Praise be. He didn't dispatch them to some great hall of government. Praise be. He didn't try to seek out the rich and the famous. No, these lowly shepherds just minding their own business, watching their flocks one night. And here's... Here's this magnificent angel. And then just when they thought they'd seen it all, there's a multitude of the heavenly host. And here's what they said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And that last part is in the original right there. Don't leave that off. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, this is the third point, the testimony of the shepherds. So we had the times, dark times, dark times. We had the tidings, probably the best tidings one could ever hear. Good news of great joy. And then the testimony of these angels, the testimony of the shepherds after the angels had gone away from them into heaven. Right there in verse 15, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then. Did they, receive, they didn't receive a command from the angels. Angels didn't tell them what to do. They're just taking it upon themselves. They're just responding in a way a normal person who had that sight of these angels and got that news from the angels, the way one would respond. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then. I mean, if, if, if this is good news, which it is good news and great, of great joy, then let's go. What is keeping us here? And let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. We talked about a while ago in those days, that decree. Well, in those days, God did this thing. That's what they said. Let's go see this thing. This thing that happened in those days was Jesus, a baby born of a virgin wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then all this angelic 
stuff going on and the glory of God and the sky, just the luminous presence of God in that sky. And these, these shepherds were changed forever. And they said, we're going to go straight to Bethlehem then. And we're going to see this thing has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a what? In a hurry. That's what they did. They came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph. And that's significant. Normally the guy is mentioned first. But Luke mentions Mary first. He brings her first. They made their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they'd seen this, they made known the statement. What'd they do? They made known the statement which had been told them about this child and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. These shepherds had a testimony. You know, when you, when you have revelation concerning Christ and who he is, you receive it and you share it. And you're never the same. You're never the same. I mean, if Jesus really is who he is, which he is who he is, which is the son of the living God. And one day everybody will give an account to him. He changes your life. And these shepherds were never the same. They came, they came in a hurry, just as fast as they could. And then what does it say? Mary, there she is, verse 19. She treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And then the shepherds went back. They saw him, they saw Mary and Joseph and the baby, and they went back. And what were they doing? They were glorifying God and they were praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. It was exactly like the angel had said, there is the baby. There is Jesus. He is the greatest gift that any one of us could receive. And I trust if you have never received him, that you will receive this great gift, this good news of great joy for all the people. Make sure that all the people includes you. Father in heaven, we thank you for this miraculous birth of Jesus. We thank you that you fulfilled every prophecy uh, concerning his birth and concerning his life and concerning his death and resurrection. Thank you. And Lord, we thank you that he rules an everlasting kingdom and that by faith, we become part of your family. Faith and trust in Christ. Lord, encourage each one here uh, today that though we live in very unusual days, That you are Lord, Christ is enthroned, and every word you've spoken will stand.
for all eternity and to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.